Hi, this is Thursday, January the uh, 20th. 2022. Welcome to the show. Big show planned for you tonight. I do have some news on the uh, on the big Freedom Convoy 2022, which is set to roll out this weekend from parts west in Canada and then on Monday and Tuesday here in Winnipeg and Manitoba, heading eastward to Ottawa. We talked about it last night with James Bowder, who is the president of Canada Unity, canada-unity.org, sorry, .com. And this is going to be a massive undertaking, you guys. This is going to be one of the biggest things that we've ever seen in this country. I don't think, I mean, maybe back in 1995 when people started traveling to Montreal from all points across Canada for the uh, separation referendum to try and convince Quebec to stay in the country. Remember that? So thousands of people converged on Ottawa and Montreal and Quebec City, I think, back then. But this, we've had United We Roll a couple of years ago, and that was mostly Albertans. Then we had uh, Bear Hug 1.0, which was about a month and a half ago, which was kind of like what's happening next week, except smaller. So what James has done is he has gathered all kinds of organizers from all across the country, chapter leaders in every province, and they have put together a massive convoy that's going to grow and grow and grow as it rolls towards Ottawa. They're expecting anywhere between five and 10,000 semi-trucks to... to <laughs> and I was asking him, how is this going to happen last night? He says, you know, we're going to be entering the city at different points. There's really only three or four points from the south that you can enter Ottawa from. So this is going to be a huge, huge, I mean, think about 10,000 semi-trucks all lined up. They're each about 100 feet in length, giving space between the trucks. That's, uh, I can't even, I estimated yesterday about 300 miles of truck in a row, if you were to put them all back to back to back to back on the highway. I don't know how they're going to wind into Ottawa, but I think the people of Ottawa might want to take a vacation next week and not come back until the truckers get our way because they're representing all of us. And that brings me, guys, to the uh, fundraisers that have been put out there online. I know there's a lot of people, I'm not going to say they've been complaining about it, but they want to know is where is the money going to? So I did a little uh, calculation here. I'm going to show you. This is on the trucker fuel cost calculator I found online. So what you have to do is put the travel miles in. So I went from Winnipeg to Ottawa. It's 1,330 miles. And I looked up what the miles per gallon of a semi-tractor trailer is, and it's about 7.2 on average. And then fuel cost for diesel fuel per gallon. We go by liters up here, obviously. but So I had to put per gallon in, so I estimated about $4.80. So it's going to cost, just in fuel alone, $887 one way to get one truck to Ottawa. Now, if there are two, 300 trucks leaving from Manitoba, you got to multiply that number by two or 300. Again, I don't have all of the numbers here, guys, but that's why there's all of these GoFundMe accounts set up. And, there, you know, you got to check and see if it's legit because there could be some people on there trying to scam. But these two accounts right here are the ones that I recommend you go to. For Manitobans first, if you want to go ahead and make a contribution. And again, only if you're able, guys. Nobody is demanding anything from you. Only if you're able to do this. And anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. And somebody was asking me, uh, earlier today. Well, what should I do? Should I give to the Manitoba? Should I give to the national? I say, well, if you're going to give $20, then split it in two and give 10 to each or just toss a coin. It doesn't really matter. But uh, here is the Manitoba GoFundMe, which was set up by Carl Krebs, who was on the show and will be uh, heading out with the convoy next week. $6,030. Uh, goal is 10000 there. So you can find this at GoFundMe.com. Uh, it's on my page right here, a couple of uh, posts below what you're watching right now. So you want to go check that out after the show if you're so inclined. And this one right here, 
is the national one, Freedom Convoy 2022. And again, guys, this is on the page that you're looking at right now on Facebook. By the way, Facebook is once again uh, shadow banned this page and this show. So the only way to get this out for as many people as possible to see it is to like and share. $765,000 and six, uh, $673. So $765,673 has been raised so far. They're really hoping this number goes up even after the trucks start to roll next week because the cost of fuel on this alone is going to be enormous. Don't forget, at some point, they're going to have to come back home as well, all of these trucks. And they are contributing their time. They won't be earning any money. When they're heading off to Ottawa, they are going off the reservation, as the saying says, guys. So uh, anything that you can do to help these guys out would be greatly appreciated. Both of these GoFundMe fundraisers are on this page, just a couple of posts below what you're watching right now. Chris Scott from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mirror, Alberta, is my guest tonight. We're going to talk all kinds of things about freedom fighting and what this man has been through in the past couple of years. It's absolutely insane, the battles he's had to fight. So we're going to uh, find out everything. And plus, he's got a new initiative out uh, right now, as a matter of fact. Let's see if I can find it. I pulled it up here. Here it is here. It's called WS Whistle Stop. So WSFullSteamAhead.org. And Chris is going to tell us all about that. Uh, later on in the show tonight you hear i i just got this text like five minutes before i went on the show here from one of my silver guys neil who is right now at a volunteers meeting for freedom convoy 2022 and he says i know it's short notice shadow but can you help us out we really need volunteers so if you want to volunteer for the manitoba uh, convoy 2022 to ottawa the information is scrolling across the bottom of your screen right now you can email convoy2022mb at protonmail.com. Again, that's convoy2022mb at protonmail.com. They would be happy to hear from you. They have initiatives planned on Monday. There's going to be. Now, this is something that James Bowder, who's the president of uh, Canada Unity, didn't really know too much about last night, but it's been confirmed that at least the Manitoba faction of the convoy is going to be doing a slow roll past the legislature in downtown Winnipeg on Monday afternoon. They're not going to stop and block traffic up, but they are going to do a very slow roll. Guys, I have no idea how many trucks are going to be involved in this, but there is going to be a slow roll Monday. And then Tuesday, they're going to meet up with all the other trucks coming in from out west, and they're going to take off for Ottawa. So there's a couple of events planned, and we'll have more on that on the show tomorrow night all right all the information is out let me bring on chris scott from the whistle stop cafe in mirror alberta chris thank you for coming on tonight i really appreciate you taking the time oh it's my pleasure thanks for having me on so before i think everybody watching right now knows who you are from all the publicity that you've uh, gotten on uh, rebel media in the past <clears throat> excuse me <coughs> hope i don't have the COVID. <laughs> rebel media in the past year or so but what i want to get into with you because i've met a whole bunch of people that i never would have met without everything that's happened in the past couple of years and the conversation that's come up chris has been what was your life like before all of this and did you ever think in your life that you would be doing now what you're doing i mean you're hosting a podcast, dude. You know, you, you, you were interviewing Dr. Peter McCullough the other night. You've had Brian Peckford on, the former premier of Newfoundland, and I think the only surviving member of uh, uh, the authors of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms back in 1980 and 1981. And I watched yeah. part of that. That was absolutely fantastic. Did you ever think that you were going to be this guy? Uh, no. And I didn't want to be this guy. Um, before this, I mostly kept to myself. I mean, I live in a town of 502 people. And I didn't really even get to know many people from town until I bought the only gas station in town. So, no, absolutely not. Um, I was quite happy just to do my own thing and live my life and, and, and be left alone and leave others alone. So, you when, when did you buy the Whistle Stop anyway? Was it called the Whistle Stop before you bought it? It was, yeah. So I bought the whistle stop in 
It was July 9th, 2019. Oh, so no. right before COVID. And uh, I'm going to, I just want to oh. point something interesting out. Do you, do you know what a whistle stop is? Uh, I've heard the expression before. I think it's something to do with a train, no? It is, yeah. So uh, in train lingo, a whistle stop is a small, unimportant town along a railway line. Okay, so you live in a town of 502 people. And, you know, just to give people clarity as to where it is, because I looked on a map today and I went, wow, this has got to be close to Edmonton or Red Deer or Calgary or one of those cities. And you're not really close to anything in Mirror, are you? No, we're close to Buffalo Lake. We're, we're right smack in the middle of Alberta. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're so central in Alberta that at one point they actually considered this location for the capital of the province. And it was wow. all to do with the railways. Do you want to get into the website before we get into uh, everything that's happened to you? Because I, I think this is a fairly new initiative, and I'm sure you wouldn't mind chatting about it a little bit. Uh, so you're, you're referring to wsfullsteamahead.org? Correct. Yeah, I've got it on the screen, uh, coming on the screen right now here. Okay, so uh, yeah, wsfullsteamahead.org. Um during this kind of adventure that we've been on, uh, all the things that we were through in the whistle stop, we had the, the, the blessing and the curse of becoming kind of a hub for the people who were being, for lack of a better word, left behind in this never-ending crusade against COVID. Um, now, these are people right. that you know, haven't, hadn't seen their grandparents in months or, or, or they'd been locked up in their homes, um, families ripped apart. All of the collateral damage as a result of the government's decisions on how to manage this pandemic. Um, and in hearing all these stories, it became very apparent that something had to change and somebody had to do something. And it wasn't like, oh, we got to be, you know, let's go and wave a sign at a protest or let's go and, you know, get some music and break the law and have some people together and do some non-compliance. No, it was like, we need some real solutions, um, a group of people that are dedicated to, number one, advocating for uh, the people that have been adversely affected from the COVID restrictions, and number two, building a voice, a strong voice of a, with a big membership that could effectively, um, potentially, influence policy within the government. So that's, that's what the idea of full steam ahead is. Uh, we, we basically want to we want to fight for the underdog and it's it's turned into more than that like way more than that as of late what we've realized is as we hear all these stories and we've we've heard thousands thousands of people that are asking for help because they've been uh, put on leave of absence because they won't take the jab or their kids are being forced to wear masks in school uh, we've all heard these stories right um, oh, we, we, yeah, we realized that we don't just have to try and help individual people along their path uh, to navigate this. We need to help everybody. And if you follow the trail of the COVID fiasco, in my opinion, and actually the facts back this up, it goes straight to the federal government and what they've been telling the provinces to do, including the minister, uh, federal minister of health. So uh, I I'm going to give you a little teaser here. We haven't announced anything yet, but uh, full, wsfullsteamahead.org, we've raised some money and we're going to use that to bring an action against the government, the federal government, in one form or another. And I'm not going to give you too many details right now. Um, I'll probably be announcing this tomorrow evening. But we want to do something that will actually effectively unify people and I'm talking about the people who've been affected and their bosses and employers and companies that have put, been put into positions where they have to demand this of their employees at the request or the demand of the federal government, right? Mm -hmm. We want to unify all of those people, all of those groups, and put the, the federal government to account for what they've done to Canada. So in a nutshell, Full Steam Ahead wants to do something to help everybody, everybody we can, and we're not dancing around the subject we're going to do it full steam ahead 
Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And I'll tell you why, because I just read a story today that you may have seen as well. It came out of uh, Global News and they say that, well, Trudeau has been talking about this for the last few months in between his insane rants against people who were unvaccinated. It's incredible. I'm sure you've seen some of those yourself. Yeah, uh, I can't even believe this guy. He, he's a maniac. He's a zealot. He's he needs to be stopped quickly. Uh, and I'm hoping that the truckers are going to be able to get some kind of a meeting with them next week in Ottawa. But look at this headline. And as unvaccinated workers sue for wrongful dismissal, mm-hmm. Ottawa is working on shielding employers. Now, this is something that's going to have to be made into law. This is not a mandate that can come down from uh, the federal uh, PMO. And so that might take a little bit of time. So I'm hoping that you can get this this action in before Trudeau can move to block it with this with this new legislation he's working on. Because if he if I, I'm not sure he's going to be able to do it anyway, because I think it's unconstitutional, uh, goes against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. But it will be a larger battle for you if he puts up this block, I think. But I think your initiative is absolutely fantastic, Chris. So many people out there. Uh, who have been, you know, wrongly dismissed or put on unpaid leaves of absence from their employment of, in some cases, 25 or 30 years. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. And these are the same people that throughout this pandemic have been working extra hours in hospitals, uh, helping those of us who who get sicker. Right. Uh, I've talked to dozens and dozens of nurses, some of them 30 year plus veterans, and they're just tossed to the curb like like. They're completely unimportant. Women and men that have dedicated their entire lives in service of others. It's a, it's disgusting. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Alberta, I know, has had some pretty stringent uh, mandates in place for the last uh, couple of years off and on. What have you heard about Manitoba? Have you heard anything about what's going on here? Or are you pretty much focused on uh, what's going on there? Um, I've, I've heard a little bit. I try and keep my thumb on what's going on across Canada. But at the end of the day we all have to kind of retreat into our smaller communities and try and do what we can where we're at. Right. So I do know that Manitoba has seen some pretty insane stuff as well. Uh, I think for a while there, it was even worse than Alberta, wasn't it? Uh, Oh, it's, it's been worse uh, in Manitoba. I think probably pretty much the whole way through because there's more compliant people here for some reason. I don't know why it seems as though Alberta and Ontario, mostly Alberta, actually. I mean, most of the guests I have on this show, come from Alberta, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, you guys have been the bastion of freedom that those of us uh, who are in the huge minority, or at least it feels like that in the rest of the country, look to for some kind of guidance. And that's you know one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show tonight, aside from the fact that you've been through some crazy stuff. Uh, we just had a restaurant slapped with two $5,000 fines yesterday. Uh, I think it's a Vietnamese restaurant downtown here in Winnipeg. We've only got two other restaurants who are actually standing up against the mandates right now. And the mandates are such that only restaurants, uh, restaurants can only be open from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. And they must shut down after that. Everything must shut down after that uh, because, you know, this Omicron variant is so very, very contagious. Um, But you, you stood up and, you know, it's such a rare thing to see somebody do what you did, I think it can be inspirational for people to see it. So why don't we go back? I mean, you you bought the whistle stop, what, you said July or August of 2019. So this is maybe six months or seven months before COVID hit uh, and all the restrictions came into place. So let's take it from there. You're a brand new restaurant owner. Uh, you're, I'm sure, pretty excited about it. Um, and then all of this, this happens. When did you start to figure out that, wait a minute, there's something the matter here? Well, right at the very beginning. I mean, when we started, when we started hearing about this uh, crazy new virus coming out of Wuhan, China, um, and the world started to buzz, the media started to buzz with it. We knew there was something up. I mean, lots of people knew there was something up. And the reason we knew that is because we've seen this before. Um, We've had other pandemics sweep the globe in the past. And the response has been, for the most part, normal. I mean, people are encouraged to take extra precautions and things like that, right? But this time, something was different, and it felt different. Uh, we started hearing rumors about mask mandates and uh, and and lockdowns and business closures. And as a new business operator, 
the first three years, that's do or die for any small business. Most actually mo restaurants, I think only have a 30% success rate in the first three, after the first three years. Even so it's already difficult. Conditions, yeah. I mean, it's, it's already brutal even without all of this. Right. I mean, we have to, everything that happens in the economy is compounded so, so bad in restaurants. I mean, our, we operate at low margins as it is, and then we get, you know, minimum wage increases, which, yeah, that's great to people earn more money, but we have utilities and, and fuel and groceries. And, and we're really at the mercy of every little blip in the economy, trucking shortages, fuel shortages, whatever. So that, that it's already difficult. Now, we get these rumors of lockdowns and stuff like that. And I started thinking like, man, what are we going to do if this happens? We, we kind of barely just float by as it is. Um, I wasn't a very experienced restaurant operator. Well, at all. And so, and so it was difficult, but I mean, they put those restrictions in for the two weeks and we grumbled about it, but we did it because um, we didn't know anything either. Right. We, at that time, we really didn't know what is this going to be? Are we going into the walking dead here? Is that what this is going to be like? Um, is this the T virus that's going to turn everyone into flesh eating zombies? We had no idea. Yeah. And we started seeing videos of people dropping dead in the street in China. And I'm like, that looks a little fishy, but I hope that doesn't happen in Canada. Anyway, that came out as a, that, that was a hoax, right? Yeah. So we complied, we did our thing, we got through it. And there's all these grumblings from, from that first two weeks until the next set of lockdowns. And it got to the point uh, in December, uh, last December, sorry, the previous December, our premier, he actually, the, I, I believe it was December, I want to say 7th, he did a live stream in which he said, he apologized for the way his government handled the pandemic. He said, we had no right to determine who was essential and who was not essential. All you businesses are essential. We apologize. We'll never do it again. A week later, he went on TV and he said, yeah, we're going to close all non-essential businesses. And they brought out all these rules. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What are you doing to us? And we complied because if you don't comply, the government beats you to death. Right. Mm. But I, I had a talk with my sister who runs the place with me and, and my staff. And we decided, listen, if they don't get their crap together and, and have a proper plan that lets us earn a living after, after this lockdown, we're opening. That's it. We're opening against this and we're going to take a stand. And the date came and they put more restrictions on. And this time they said, uh, it'll be just a, a week or something. And I grumbled, but I didn't stand up. I was like, okay, well, we can, we'll just do the week and then get over this. They did it again. And at that point, our, our chief uh, medical officer of health, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, she said, we don't have an end in sight for this. We don't know when the lockdowns are going to end. And I said, okay, I am done with this crap. Enough is enough. We're opening. And I talked to my staff. I told them we're going to get in trouble. And they all agreed that what the government was doing to us and every other small business was absolutely 100% wrong, especially now that we had some information about COVID. Their modeling was all wrong. It never came to pass the way they said it was going to. Going to. We saw the curves following the year-to-year the, um, the -year kind of flu season. Nothing had changed. We didn't have bodies lining the streets. We didn't have uh, hundreds of thousands of extra people dying. It wasn't what they said. So we opened. And at that point, I knew that my chances of success fighting against the government, which by the way, has an infinite amount of resources that come from you and I and all of our friends and neighbors, right? The chances of somebody like me winning against the government were slim to none. As a matter of fact, the chief of police sat there with me one day. It was, uh, I think the first day the RCMP showed up with AHS and he, AHS went to do their thing and he kind of leaned in man to man. He said, you know, Chris, uh, you really got to just stop this because you can't win. You can't win against the government. You can't win against these guys. And I looked at him and I said, oh yeah, hold my beer. And I didn't back down and I'm not, I, I Chris, let me stop you for a second there, because this is a great story and I want to hear the rest of it. And everybody else wants to hear the rest of it. But have you always been that kind of a guy to stand up to authority when you think something is uh, something that's happened that is wrong? Somebody gets wronged or have you let things slide in the past? Uh, I am guilty of letting things slide in the past. When I was a kid, I stood up to a lot of bullies that were bullying my friends. And I was a little I was a little guy. 
Uh, I got beat up a few times, but I stood up against those bullies that were bullying other people because it's the right thing to do. I didn't do it because I thought I was going to win. I did it because that bully was an idiot and he shouldn't be picking on that little kid. Okay. And that was my life. But here's the thing. As I look back over my adult life, I realize that there are literally hundreds of times where I should have stood up and spoken on behalf of somebody else who was being adversely affected by something that Goliath was doing to them. And I didn't. And the reason I didn't is because it didn't affect me. And that's where we're at right now. People aren't standing up because it isn't affecting them personally. Now, this trucker's convoy, that's going to affect some people. I mean, we're going to be, and when I say we, I don't know if I'm going it or not, but they're going to be blocking roads. It's going to be a pain in the butt. It's going to impact people's lives. Um, and these are people that wouldn't otherwise be affected. So what I'm hoping is that people will start standing up and doing the right thing, even though they're not being affected. Maybe they're double jabbed. Maybe they're triple jabbed. Maybe they've bought into all this COVID stuff. But at some point, they have to open their eyes and look around and say, man, that grandmother should actually be allowed to watch her grandkids play hockey. Are yeah. we really willing to uh, interfere in that family family's relationships because we're scared of getting a sickness that we're vaccinated against? That's what has to happen, right? It's time to stop waiting to be affected and stand up for people who are being affected around you. We said this in January. We said it. If you don't stand up today because you're not affected, you will be affected tomorrow. And we've seen that point. restaurants, yeah. salons, gyms, truckers, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so are you getting the sense out there in mirror uh, that things are turning? And I want to get to the town's reaction to what you you did as well but I'm sure you're, you're going to include that in your story. Are you getting a sense that things are turning in our direction? Things feel different. I think there's a lot of people who, regardless of what their position on COVID itself is, they're starting to feel the pain that their friends and neighbors are experiencing. So I feel like something is changing and something's different. It's not something tangible. I yeah. can't say X amount of people are doing this or whatever. It's just I don't know if you know what I'm what I'm getting at, but it's absolutely a, I do because it's I kind of a feeling thing. in the air. Yeah, I, I feel the same thing. It's out there. It's in the atmosphere. It's the force, maybe right? Like you know, when they yeah. talk about it in Star Wars, it just feels like something has turned. And you know, like a virus, the truth cannot be held in. You know, whether you wear a mask or not, eventually the truth is going to come out. And I think we're starting to see a lot of the left wing corporate media start to let go some truth which is a, a very good thing but anyway do you, do you hear that it sounds like a cricket <laughs> all right well we'll continue on uh please continue with the story you were talking about you are going to open no matter what the mandate was yeah and that, and that's and that's what we did we opened and i stood my ground um we had a bit of a win in the beginning in that AHS, they did their court thing. They tried to hammer me. Um, they gave me closure notices, notices. I wouldn't close. And other restaurants started standing up. And that was the goal. My goal was not to... In, well, okay, I'll back up. In the beginning, my goal was to save my business. But once I started hearing other people's stories, my goal became to encourage other people to do the same thing so that we could end this. And other restaurants did stand up. Uh, they did get hammered by the government and by AHS. And a lot of them got find and close or whatever and eventually we were the last one standing and throughout this whole time it's important to point out that it wasn't just me being affected um we had pastors hauled off and thrown in jail in alberta yeah uh, that's probably in my opinion that's one of the grossest stains on our country and our province throughout this whole thing is how mad clergymen and women are treated yeah right yeah we've had that happen as well uh Pastor Tobias Tyson. Tobias, uh, yeah. yeah, he's just south of Winnipeg here. He got, uh, and his family has been harassed by the RCMP too, which is, you know, if you want to talk about stains, the tactics that the police have used, and I also want to get into that with, uh, with your story, the tactics they've used have been reprehensible. I understand they're standard police tactics, but these tactics are generally used on people who are criminals right? Yeah. People who actually go out and break the law, they're, they're lifetime criminals and you know, they probably need to use those tactics to get these people. For us, we've been law-abiding citizens our entire lives, and we're talking about pastors here. 
you know, who mm-hmm. help people through their lives, help them make vital decisions and uh, give them comfort in times of need. But anyway, um, when you decided to stay open, you had this conversation with the uh, the chief of police out there. Uh, he said, look, man, you're not going to you're not going to beat the government, but you continued on uh, staying open until they came to shut you down. I think that was in May of 2020 last year, was it not? I don't know. It's all a blur. This, I mean, this two weeks seems like it's been two years to me. Yeah. Yeah. We're still in the two weeks of flatten the curve. But yeah, I think it was May. Um, and that's a little bit of an interesting story. A lot of people don't know. Uh, shortly before that, we were open. We were allowed to be open. And then the government pulled the rug out from under us again, as they had been doing time and time again throughout this whole thing. And I said, no friggin' way. Uh, are they actually going to do this again? And I mobilized as many people as I could. I wanted to throw the biggest protest Alberta's ever seen. And it may well have gone that way. However, uh, three days before the date of the protest, AHS got an injunction against me without me being president in court. It was an ex parte injunction. They lied to the judge and told the judge I didn't have a lawyer. And they got an order that said that I wasn't allowed to... Uh, uh, engage in illegal gatherings, at, attend illegal gatherings, promote, incite, or organize. So the cops came to me every day, and they said, "Well, you got to take this Facebook post down. Oh, you got to take this down." And I was like, "Do I really want to push this? Because they're going to arrest me." And in the end, I decided to go ahead with it. But I did take down some of the advertising to try and appease the court a little bit to show them that I'm not an unreasonable man. I actually tried to meet their demands while doing my protest. So I took the advertising down. Uh, the day of the protest, I said, look it, HS got this injunction against me. These are the rules. So we need to make this a legal protest, as in do your social distancing, wear your masks if you can. Um, let's get the protest done within the confines of this BS injunction, and we'll get the message out. Nobody has to go to jail and whatever. Of course, it didn't work because there was... Global News will tell you there was 500 people there. But if you look at video from the event, uh, there was probably closer to 1,500. Yeah. Um, and it was it it was a, a crappy day. It was rainy. It was muddy. It was like six degrees. I had stopped advertising. And 1,500 people, roughly, somewhere around there, from all over Alberta and all over Canada showed up at the Whistle Stop Cafe in near Alberta to support it. I had my entire parking lot filled with RVs and motorhomes and campers. The entire property was filled with cars. The adjacent property was filled with cars. You couldn't park a car in mirror. The streets were lined with cars. Every street in the town, I, well, no, that's an exaggeration. Most of the streets in the town, the ditches had cars. We had, uh, by some estimates, there was 45 police cars. They had the RCMP drones out. They had buses parked in Bashaw in case they had to arrest 3,000 people. I later found out from the chief of police that they had the resources and were prepared to arrest 3,000 people at that protest. That's how far the government took it. So at that point, I mean, you've got 1,500 people at a protest. As you say, all the cars are jammed up in the town. They've got buses waiting to arrest 3,000 people. Were they thinking it was going to get unruly or was it out of spite? It sounds like there's a lot of spite involved here. Well, it could be. Um, I I don't know for sure, but I think the government and NHS had a little bit of egg on their face from the previous from the spring, because we did have a win. And the way it was portrayed was, I stood up, I stared the government down, and they blinked first, and they opened restaurants again because of what I did. I don't know how much weight that holds if it was if that's the way it was or not. It, it doesn't matter. Either way, their ego was bruised. Um, and I am well aware that in Alberta, our premier and our minister of finance, uh, not finance, sorry, minister of uh, justice, uh, Casey Madu, who's no longer the minister of justice, by the way, uh, our minister of health at, the sa- at that time, Tyler Chandro, who was also not the minister of health anymore, had a meeting and discussed how they had to stop Chris Scott at the Whistle Stop Cafe from doing what he's doing and directed uh, resources towards my protest to stop me. And I don't know, I, I haven't heard it from them, 
This is all from other people uh, within or close to the government. But that's where this went to. I mean, my name has been said in the legislature by both sides, and uh, opposition and the current sitting government. Uh, the, the premier is well aware of who I am. He actually ran away from me a, a few times at an AGM where I went to meet him. <laughs> so when you ask if it was out of spite, uh, I really think so. Yeah. I think that egos play a huge role in this because no government wants to admit that they backed down or were bested by a dirty rig hand who's serving coffee, wearing an apron, and flipping burgers in a, in a cafe um, in a town of 500 people. That's embarrassing. Oh, no kidding. Uh, I wonder if your name was spoken at the party they had. What, what's that place called in Edmonton? The Crystal Palace or the, the Skyview Palace, the Skyview Palace, where they had this big, huge, amazing government soiree where they were all and the pictures were amazing as well that were uh, taken of that night. And, you know, the second we see something like that, where you see a bunch of government flunkies, uh, elected officials, possibly bureaucrats, the whole nine yards, all of them getting together, maskless, having a party, whether they're vaccinated or not, doesn't matter. Uh, according to the narrative and according to the actual truth, do you think that maybe that takes their authority away for them to tell us what to do? And, and there's a lot of people that go, ah, well, you know what? People are human and they're going to make mistakes. But this is different because they need to be held to a higher standard. So if you want to talk about egg on the government's face, I think you did it. I think Pulaski did it. Uh, I think that they did it to themselves. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other people who are responsible for throwing egg on Kenny's face as well. Absolutely. Uh, and that was the point, to encourage people to do so. I got to here. I'm going to share a screen with you if that's okay. Sure. I got a screen of the Skyview Palace incident for you here. Let's see. Did that work? Nope, not coming up. I can find it. Let's see here. It's sitting in the, if you look in the lobby here, it's sitting there. In the lobby. No, I can't find it. Oh, well, I mean, we've, we've all seen it by now. And, and uh, you know what's funny is here in Manitoba, we had a, a court case happen with some churches and one weed dealer uh, back in the early part of last year took the government to uh, to court for these, you know, uh, mandates and violations of our human rights and whatnot. And the judge who presided over that case, his name is uh, Justice Joyle. He's the chief justice of our province. Uh, was taking very long time to come up with a decision for that. He did e eventually rule seven months after hearing that case that Jeez. he ruled in favor of the government. But he was being uh, followed by a, uh, a, a private yeah. investigation uh, firm here in Winnipeg to see if, not just him, but some other bureaucrats, I think our chief medical officer as well, to see if they were doing anything untoward when it came to the mandates. And that made big news all over the left-wing corporate media. Yeah. Oh, these yeah. guys should never be followed. Oh, they're, you know, they're absolutely beyond reproach. They, you know, they absolutely stand up for what's right and fair and justice for all. But ultimately, I mean, I'm not sure if you saw any of that case. I did. Uh, it was argued by the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms versus the government of Manitoba. They, and they had, like, the Justice Center had expert after expert after expert after expert, including our former chief medical officer, who was actually a guy who knows what to do during pandemics, as opposed to the guy we currently have. And the government side brought nothing to the table and still Joyle ruled in favor of the province. So when you see a ruling like that, you start to think, hey, wait a minute. Maybe the uh, the courts have be become corrupted as well. I don't know who by, but in your situation, the one where they hauled you into court, even though you d you didn't know about that, right? You were not even in court when this happened to you, right? Yeah. And right. how how can they even do that? Was that the government who did that, or were they complicit with the justice system? Well, they can do that. So in Alberta, and I'm assuming in Manitoba as well, we have existing legislation. That says, basically, um, Alberta Health Services, the minister or anybody acting under the minister's direction and guidance 
can basically do anything they want to you in a private or public setting if they believe that it's in the public health, best interest of public health. And this, I use this, it's kind of a crude analogy, but I, I use this example. If you just, if you happen to be a, a person that holds swingers parties in your house, the government has every right to tell you what you can do in your bedroom. That's how far the legislation goes. There is no limit. There is no private or public differentiation. It basically says the minister can do anything in public or private in the interest of public health. So if they think that it's going to endanger people if you're having a swingers party or whatever, then they can shut you down. That's That goes too far. The government overreach has been insane in the past couple of years. Now, do you see this changing at some point? Uh, maybe, and that depends on us. The government is not going to change on their own. Uh, no government in history has ever given up power because they felt like it was the right thing to do. They be, they're forced to do it. I sent you a link in that chat thing of the Skyview Palace. I think you'll get a chuckle of it if you bring that up. Oh, I just got it. All right, let me see. The Western Standard, eh? Yeah, this was, uh, it was actually a lot of fun. To point out the hypocrisy right, that exists see. between our government and, and the law. Okay, here it comes. Whistle stops Scott mocks Kenny's Sky Palace dinner from roof of his locked <laughs> So that's me and my staff on the rooftop of the Whistle Stop Cafe with everything set up as, as best we could, exactly like it was at the Sky Palace. Chair leaned on the table, distancing the same, the servers in the same position, sans mask. And oh. this was to point out the fact that these rules are for us, but not for them. And I will say, the day after, and, and actually, this is when my cafe was chain shot. AHS had seized my business and put a chain on the door. And I couldn't operate my business anymore. So there we were on the roof. And the next day, I got a, a, a phone call from the district manager for HS saying, hey, Mr. Scott, you're supposed to be following the rules, and it appears as though you had an illegal gathering on the rooftop. And I said, what do you mean? So she explained, and I said, oh, yes. Well, we wanted to dine together, so we figured if we did it exactly the same as our premier and the health minister did, then we'd be okay because they said they didn't break the law. So if we do the exact same thing, we're not breaking the law either. And she said, no, no, they broke the rules too, and, and you can't do that. And she got a chuckle out of it, but I, I really wanted to point out, like what you're saying, these rules, they exist for us and they don't exist for them. What, what does that tell you about the legitimacy or the need for that particular rule? Right? It's useless. It's completely and utterly useless. There is no reason for it. And now that we've got this new uh, contagious but far less lethal uh, and much milder variant out there. I think it's time that some of these, most of these, all of these regulations and mandates need to be rolled back, never to be seen again, just like the UK has announced yesterday. I'm wondering why we here in Canada are so slow on the uptake. Uh, and, and you know what? I'm going to get into a little speculation here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I only speculate about this stuff. I'm never going to sit here and say... Uh, you know, the reason behind all of this, but there is no way that Jason Kenney is this inept as a premier. I mean, he has had a public life in federal politics and now in provincial politics. Uh, there's no way that Brian Pallister, the former premier of Manitoba, is absolutely that inept and bumbling that he would uh, enact all of these, uh, you know, draconian policies on his own people. These men are conservatives. They are dyed-in-the-wool conservatives. Same with Doug Ford in Ontario, and the same with Scott Moe in Saskatchewan. These men grew up with conservative principles, much like the principles you would find in rural Alberta, rural Manitoba, anywhere in the prairies. So what's behind all this? What is making them do all of this? Why would they do these things? To me, it's a mystery. I can't. I, I can only speculate as to what might be behind it. Could it be 
uh, a global cabal that people are talking about? Could it be the globalists? Could it be uh, the pharmaceutical companies? Could it be, uh, you know, uh, the big insurance companies? I mean, we've got a huge one here in Winnipeg called Canada Life. They're based here. I mean, they're worth billions and billions of dollars. I just don't see how they could have Trudeau. I can see fumbling the ball this badly, but not all these other guys. So what do you think? Have you had any time to speculate on this? Absolutely. And I've heard everything from a global cabal to um, lizard people to aliens. I mean, I had someone talk to me about the United Federation of Planets. Um, you name it, I've heard it. And before I get into what I think, I'm just going to say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's happening or, or it matters what's happening. It doesn't matter why it's happening whether it's lizard people controlling our politicians or 5G affecting people's brainwaves or just there's a virus and people overreacted or maybe somebody wants more money and power. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we have to stop worrying about who's doing it and why and we have to start standing up as inherently free men and women. That's it. Period. I don't care why you're trying to take my rights away. You have no authority to do that. I was born free, and God damn it, I'm going to stay free. I don't care if you're a lizard person. Go away. That's, <laughs> that's the reality. Now, speculating as to why this is happening, there's a couple schools of thought that I think are, are, are plausible and probable. Number one, the government's completely overreacted, and authority has been centralized over the last 30 years. Um, we have things like the United Nations and the World Health Organization, uh, things like that, that centralize power and advise governments. And there's a lot of money, there's a lot of money transactions with that too, right? So if you're a, a country that goes against those centralized authorities, you can suffer financially or with support, sanctions, whatever. It's, it's, that's the way centralization of power works. Um, the other thing is this could be all about money or power, or money and power. Who knows? Um, what's, how do the wealthiest people on the planet or the wealthiest companies influence government? You know, you know how they do that, right? They bribe them? Well, um, yeah, I was, I was referring to lobbying, but yes, they could bribe them. <laughs> um, the human condition, the number one thing that every, every person on this planet is born with and we have to learn to keep in check is greed. Yeah. And that is a systemic problem in human beings. We're inherently greedy. So it is safe to say that those in power or with a lot of money, with the capability to effectively lobby governments to en enact and enforce policy that moves money from them or from us to them, of course they're going to do that. I mean, we saw that with the, the great ethanol scam, I call it. How much money in Ontario is subsidized into ethanol crops I mean, I was out there working oil field, and I saw more corn out there than I ever have anywhere in my entire life. And this is something that the data has shown and the numbers have shown that all it did was move money from one place to another, from the poor to the rich. And it's been happening throughout history, and, we, and it happens with lobbyists. So in this case, um, if you have a man like Bill Gates, who is heavily invested in uh, pharmaceuticals, promotes them, also owns one of the major transport industries in Canada, and I think he owns 10.5% of CN Rail. CN Rail has tens of thousands of employees. So if you're heavily invested in pharmaceuticals and you want everyone to take pharmaceuticals, you lobby the government and you say, hey, this disease is so dangerous that you need to make sure all your transport workers are vaccinated. And then you just move on down the line and you keep going and you keep going. And at the end of the day, you make an entire country buy your product and you take their money. So is it probable or plausible? Yes, it's absolutely plausible. We've seen it happen before. Probable, I'd say, I don't know, 60 or 70%. But really, it doesn't matter. On such a huge scale, it becomes yeah. hard to, to wrap your head around that one man and it's not one man obviously there's more than one person at the top of all of this uh it just becomes like so mind-bending we're talking about a global thing here 
billions and billions and billions of people. And you know, it's funny. Uh, somebody said to me the other day, wow, we've been trying to feed the hungry and on this planet for uh, hundreds of years. And yet they can, yeah, and they can get a vaccine out there in two months to everybody that needs it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's kind of amazing. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't, it's not, it's not financially beneficial to some people to feed the homeless. No. And you're right. It's all about the greed. Let me ask you this, Chris. Do you think that this convoy that is heading to Ottawa next week is going to have an impact on the federal government? I'm not talking about all of the supply chain issues that are going to happen. I'm not even talking about the possible uh, anarchy that could break out in the streets of grocery stores and liquor stores and cannabis stores run out of product uh, or at least have limited amounts of product and the government decides to give those products or at least uh, sell those products to the vaccinated only. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is blocking the streets of Ottawa to the point where nobody can move. It's gridlocked. And these guys, from what I understand, and, and I've talked to a few of them in the last few days, these guys are not going to give up until they get our rights back. And then they're going to be vigilant about keeping them as well. Do you think this is going to make an impact? Is Trudeau going to blink or is he just going to run away like he did last time? Well, he's already running away, and he's going to be on vacation when the truckers get to Ottawa. I like thought usual. somebody was joking about that. He's not going to be there, seriously. No, he's not going to be there. <laughs> well, somebody from the government's going to have to come out and talk to them. You would have to think. It's That's a tough question. Um, I understand that this is going to cause impacts in people's lives. It's going to potentially negatively affect them. Mm -hmm. But as people are being inconvenienced by this, the pro this protest that's happening of this caliber and this size, I want them to think about one thing. They're being inconvenienced for a few days by a group of people who have watched their friends and neighbors be inconvenienced to the point of, like, some of them taking their own lives over the last two years. So if you scale what the truckers what the trucker convoy is doing against the implications and the results from the, the covid mandates and restrictions it is a drop in the bucket i mean we're talking death destruction economic collapse societal division on a scale that we've i've never seen in my lifetime like this is a the hugest inconvenience to me and my family and my province and my country, that I, I never thought we'd see something like this. So if you're asking me if I think it's worth it for the truckers to, to be inconveniencing people in Ottawa and actually all across the country, I think so. Because like I said before, people don't generally stand up until they are affected personally. Yeah. And through peaceful acts of noncompliance or protests like this, I don't want anybody to get hurt. As a matter of fact, over the last few days, I've heard more people call me and comment on my stuff and send me messages talking about taking up guns and being violent. I don't want to see that. I would much rather see people be inconvenienced in traffic than a group of people so desperate that they're taking up guns and they're shooting people who may or not be may or may not be innocent and have clean hands with this whole thing. So I think it's really important that we do things like this before those people who are unstable enough to actually become violent, become violent. I couldn't agree more with you. I, I have had uh, and heard the same things uh, for the last few months now. People are at the end of their rope. They have run yes. out of savings. Uh, and they're out of hope. And, and they've run out of hope, and that's the biggest thing. And so I hope that the uh, the convoy, this uh, Bear Hug 2.0, does what it's supposed to do out there. So uh, I, I don't know if Trudeau is going to blink. I mean, as you pointed out, you know, I thought this was a joke before we even came on, that this guy is actually going to take a vacation, much like he went surfing uh, during the uh, the first ever Indigenous Persons Day in Canada a few months ago, Ugh. he went surfing in Tofino. I mean, this guy is just so tone deaf. You would think yeah. that after hearing something like this is happening. And, and let's be honest, Chris. I mean, this is uh, quite probably the largest movement we have 
ever seen in this country since 1867 when the country was founded. I mean, if if uh, what uh, they were talking about last night on the show uh, happens, we're talking about half a million people in the streets. We're talking about 10,000 uh, heavy cruiser trucks and uh, another 20 or 30,000 uh, pickup trucks and one tons and regular uh, automobiles in the streets of Ottawa. And the, the guy decides to go on vacation. I mean, th- this is going to be the biggest movement we have ever seen. And you're right. Hope is the thing. And I can't believe he's not going to be there to to greet these people. But you know what else? These people are not going to leave until they get their meeting. Mm-hmm. They're not. I mean, they're, they're going to be staying there um, for as long as it takes. That's what I'm hearing from the Manitoba faction anyway, and I'm certain that all of the truckers all across the country who are going to going to be joining this convoy are thinking the same way. They wouldn't be doing this unless they did. Yeah. Um, so what? I, I got a couple more things before I let you get going here, Chris, and, and that is, have you felt the wrath of other people in Mir, people who are on the other side, people who don't agree with you and say they will never patronize your business ever again. I mean, I know oh, we've yeah. had some positive stuff, but there's there's been some negative stuff too, I'm sure, yeah? Yes, absolutely. Uh, my town, in my opinion, is split right down the middle. Half the people support me, half the people don't. And you don't move to a place like Mir because you want noise or attention. You move to a place like Mir because you want quiet. And I brought some noise to this town for quite a while. And, you know, I've, I've done my best to apologize to those who were affected adversely by it, but it's just, it's something that I had to accept because if nobody stands up and does something, all of those people who want quiet, uh, they're going to be forced into quiet because here, here's the thing. It, if our rights are so fluid that we can lose them because of a disease that has the statistics that COVID-19 does, we are in big trouble. Uh, we no longer, at that point, we no longer live in a free country. We no longer live as free men and women. Now we're living under the illusion of freedom or the, or the freedoms that's afforded to us when the government thinks it's appropriate to do so. So, yeah, um, I, I, I pissed a lot of people off in town, for sure. Um, there's other things that pissed them off. Like some were scared. They thought that I was going to kill them because they were going to get COVID from somebody that was to stop. Um, you know, that hasn't come to pass. A lot of it was fear based and motivated. And then you throw some, uh, ego in there and some jealousy because people actually, they stepped up to the plate when I was getting evicted and they helped me buy my restaurant. Wow. Like that, that's how much support we got. Now, people didn't buy my restaurant for me. Like, they didn't pay for the whole thing. They, they helped me raise enough money where I was able to make an agreement to purchase the place. So I continued going. Um, but there's a lot of that, too. Like, when, when you – and the unfortunate part about any, about any of this stuff is everything costs money, and you cannot win against infinite resources if you don't have any money. And somebody like me, I would have been done the second week if I didn't have support of organizations like uh, Rebel Media at Through Fight Defines, right? That's the reality of it. So some people see that, and you put that $20 bill in front of their eyes, and they cannot see the forest for the trees anymore. All they see is money. Maybe because maybe they're jealous that you got something they didn't, or maybe they actually think that I'm some sort of a con artist. But I'll tell you, I didn't want this. And I certainly didn't ever want to get to a position where I had to ask people for their help and support. So all of those things have caused... I don't know, maybe irreparable division in my town. But what I'm seeing lately, and what, part of the reason why I'm saying it feels like things are changing, is there's some people who are approaching me now who six months ago hated my guts. And they're starting to come back and buy gas, or they're starting to have conversations with me, and they're asking me questions. And it's because people are starting to realize that, you know, maybe, maybe there was some validity to what I was saying. And maybe if they don't, change their path they're on we could be in some big trouble and that's a difficult thing i'm hoping this convoy uh does works a little magic on that because now we're not just fighting the government we're also fighting the egos and the convictions of the people who have bought into this i mean put yourself in someone else's shoes who's got all their vaccinations has been hammering on people to follow the rules for two years um, just jabbed all their kids you know they've done all the stuff they're told to and now they're realizing hey 
something isn't right here. Maybe we're on the wrong path. That is a tough pill to swallow, especially if you start to wonder if maybe that wasn't the best thing for your children. Well, right? when so you start really seeing really stories about the, the young kids, uh, we had an eight-year-old girl die of a heart attack in Winnipeg this past weekend. And still, people are, I'm not going to say everybody, but I, I've seen some comments on social media about that. And, you know, of course, they're, they're sad and they're sending the family sympathies and, and whatnot, but they just are not putting two and two together yet. Uh, yeah. Some people are, some people aren't. Let me ask was you a it, question. Was it in uh, the mainstream media? No, of course not. No, no. Um, no, I, and I call them left-wing corporate media. I think that would should be something that we uh, adjust as alternative media sources across the country, I, you and I. I agree, yeah. Uh, left-wing corporate media is probably the best description for them. I'm going to ask you a question that you might be uncomfortable with, but it's not too bad. Um, my girlfriend, Carrie, said to me, you're doing right now what you're doing, because I worked 37 years in radio, right? And it was entertainment stuff mostly, and I think the last few years of it was uh, news talk radio. Um, but she said, you're now doing what you've been meant to do all along. You're talking to people. You're making them feel better. You're giving them hope. You're giving, and you know, of course, a guy like me, I go, yeah, okay, whatever. But the, sometimes you think, wow, I mean, there's been a pretty big burden placed on us. Did you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you're doing what you were supposed to be doing and you just didn't know it? No. Honestly, I, I feel like I'm supposed to be pulling dragons from the ground. Right? I this isn't this isn't me. Um I don't know. I, I, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And whether I, I'm a I'm a Christian, so I believe in that God has a plan for everybody. Some people believe in the balance and power of the universe and that the universe has a plan for everybody. So I don't know. I guess I am. I'm do I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm doing it, right? Yeah, yeah, but you had to find the courage somewhere, man, and you did. And uh, I, I think that you're doing a fantastic job with WSFullSteamAhead.org. Again, please give us a quick synopsis of what it is you're doing before we uh, wrap it up tonight, Chris. So, number one, we want to help people. And we've determined that the best way to help people is to fight this at the source, and it appears that it's the federal government. Um, while we're doing that, we know that it's critically important that people are connected and they know that no matter what they're going through right now, they're not alone. Whether you're losing your job or you still have your job but you're dealing with people uh, being abusive because of your vaccination status, you are not alone. And that, it, that in itself is probably the single most important thing throughout this whole thing is we've been, we've, they've tried to isolate us and separate us and socially distance us. And I believe socially distancing is the right word. What they, what the science would have said, we should physically distance, but they said social distance, and that means something different. So we need to get back to a place where we can connect with each other and share our stories and, and take comfort in the fact that we're not going through things alone. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I absolutely this has been do, a big man. problem over the last couple of years. Yeah. So well, I mean, on that on wsfullsteamhead.org and the website, there is a forum there, and people chat on there all the time. They share their stories. There's actually a an employment section for people looking for work and employers looking that. for people. That's cool. Um, yeah, and we, we we want to be a voice for those who are, who have been affected adversely by the COVID restrictions and mandates themselves, and that includes the vaccinated, the unvaccinated, whatever. It doesn't matter. We've all been affected in some way. Chris, I think you are a uh, very brave man, and I really appreciate what you're doing, and I'm sure there's people from coast to coast who feel the same way, and I would like to thank you for coming on the show tonight, and hopefully we'll be able to do it again very soon. Oh, by the way, where can people find your live stream? Is it on Facebook or is it on the website as well? Because that, that conversation you had with Brian Peckford and the conversation you had with Peter McCullough, people need to see that. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, I put everything on my whistle stop cafe facebook page um, we have a facebook following of like sixty four thousand people or something Whoa, awesome. so when we put something on there but as you rightfully pointed out earlier uh facebook has they adjust their algorithms and they don't send it out to the people that you would think they do anyway yeah our facebook page is uh whistle stop uh whistle stop cafe 
and it's in Mirror, Alberta. I always specify that on my lives and when I write because there are whistle stops other places uh, <laughs> that people have mistakenly gone to or phoned to either support or, or hate on them. Um, I'm in Mirror, Alberta, Whistle Stop Cafe, and our Facebook page, the profile picture is a little train. Um, we do put all our videos, not all of them, most of them on Rumble as well for those who don't use Facebook. And on Rumble, it's WS Cafe. Cool. Chris, thanks very much for coming on tonight, and I'll talk to you again. Thanks. My all pleasure. Right. There is Chris Scott from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mirror, Alberta, joining the show tonight. Uh, inspirational. There's a guy who was hounded by the government. And I apologize for the connection that Chris and I had for the uh, the last part of the interview there. I did message him uh, that his mic was kind of buzzing and humming there, but uh, there was not much he could do about it. But what a well-spoken guy, too. Uh, brave. And like I said, inspirational. And hopefully the message of inspiration gets out to you and somebody you know tonight. And that's why, guys, I am constantly asking you and reminding you to like and share this show. Because there's going to be moments, and it's not going to happen every night or maybe not every minute of every show, where sometimes I might flukily hit on something that inspires you to take action, whatever it happens to be. This convoy, this convoy heading out to Ottawa, the weekend it starts actually, it's going to start rolling out from BC on Saturday, and then Alberta is going to pick up Sunday here in Manitoba, uh, Monday and Tuesday. All right, the actual convoy is going to be getting here on Tuesday. The Manitoba portion of the convoy is going to be doing a slow roll around the legislature at about noon on Monday. Now, they need volunteers. So if you have the time and you're inclined, um, just hit the email that is scrolling uh, at the bottom of the screen right now. Uh, to offer assistance, Freedom Convoy 2022 needs volunteers to offer assistance. Email convoy2022mb at protonmail.com. I get messages all the time, whether it's uh, here on Facebook, on Messenger, or whether it's through email or Twitter even, Instagram, uh, now on Getter, all of the social media platforms. And I try to get to as many of them as possible. And what I hear a lot of is people who have lost their jobs because of the mandates, which is ridiculous, and hopefully we can fix that before it gets to the point where people are starting to think that maybe ending their life would be a good idea. But I also hear from people who are wanting to help, but they don't know what to do. And while I am, I, I consider myself to be a hub of information, uh, I'm not really much of an organizer in terms of you go there, you do this, you do that, you do this. Uh, once it's all organized, I can get it out there. But I think, guys, that if you're looking for something to do in the next few days, this would be the way to go. Uh, so email convoy2022mb at protonmail.com if you want to be involved uh, in helping out. 